Good morning. We are grateful for your presence today. It's a beautiful day. On the inside, we're so grateful that you can be here. We're very thankful for the opportunity to be together on the first day of the week to worship God in spirit and in truth. If you are visiting, please know that you are truly an honored guest. Very grateful to have you with us. We want you to come back, and we certainly appreciate the fact that you have chosen to be with us this morning. Today is a very special day, not just because it's the first day of the week, but also it's a day that we have set aside to honor our mother. And we have a lot, we've got a lot of mothers here today, and we want you to know how special you are. I can't help but think about what is recorded in Proverbs chapter 31. The writer there talks about the worthy woman, and in that context he said, Her husband praises her. Her children rise up and call her blessed. I want to encourage you, if you are here today and you have the opportunity to visit with your mom today or see your mom today or call your mom, I want to encourage you, please let her know how special she is. If If you've got a good mother, you ought to get down on your hands and knees and thank God. The power and influence that reside in a mom. Aren't we grateful we've been blessed in this life? I admire those of you that have the opportunity to bear children. And I'm so grateful for your example and your influence. And we've got a lot of moms in this congregation. We've got a lot of moms and a lot of dads that work side by side. They're a great team, and they, they seek to the best of their ability to guide their children in the Lord. We've also got a lot of moms that have become the spiritual leader in their home. And I have great admiration for you. The fact that you try to the best of your ability to be that spiritual leader in your home, and you do a tremendous job. And I certainly want you to know that what you do does not go unnoticed, not just by me, but by many, many people. And the world in which we live would be a better place if we had a lot more moms like the moms that we have here at Olive Branch. Very blessed, very, very blessed. I'm going to be looking today at the book of 1 Samuel. As we look at 1 Samuel, we're going to be talking about a lady by the name of Hannah. What we really want to focus in on today in our lesson has to do with the faith and faithfulness of this great lady. She was, in my estimation, a rock. And she had tremendous insight into what life is all about. And she had a strong desire for children. And her goal was to bring a child into the world and then to gift that child into the service of God. And she did that. And so we're going to be looking at 1 Samuel chapters 1, 2, and 3 just very briefly. And as we think about the faithfulness of this great lady, the lady by the name of Hannah, 
She was married to a man by the name of Elkanah. And he was from Ephraim. And he was a Levite. And the Bible tells us that he had two wives. One of his wives' name, of course, Hannah. The other, Peninnah. And Peninnah had children. Hannah, however, did not. Hannah desperately wanted children. And apparently in reading the text, there was a tremendous amount of love between Hannah and her husband Elkanah. And so as you look at chapter 1, first and foremost, what you see, there was a problem. And as we look more in depth at chapter 1, and as we think about the problem, I want to first of all talk about the sorrow of Hannah before the Lord. And there were really a couple of reasons, or really one primary reason for her sorrow. The text tells us that she was barren. She had no children, verse 2. In verse 5, the Bible tells her that the Lord had closed her womb. And so, she's childless. And I just think about people today, young people today, that desperately want children. I've known people that wanted to have children, couldn't have children, and there's something about having someone that is truly bone of your bones and flesh of your flesh. I think one of the greatest blessings in life is to be a parent. Now, that doesn't mean that life is incomplete if you're not a parent, if you don't have children. But children can truly be a blessing to life, and truly can in, and children can enrich your life. You remember the psalmist in Psalm 127 said, the fruit of the womb is his reward. He went on to say, happy is the man who has his quiver full of them. There are many of us that have been blessed with children, and we're grateful for those children. We're thankful for the love and for the, the association that we've had through the years. And so, Hannah was barren. And not only was she barren, but the text tells, her, tells us that she was bitter. In other words, she was distressed. Down in verse 10, the Bible says she was in bitterness of soul. And if you read the text, you'll find that Peninnah sought to dig at Hannah because she was childless. And no doubt, that hurt Hannah a great deal. And so, as has been mentioned already, she desperately wanted children. So I want you to think for a moment or two about her supplication to the Lord. I mentioned a moment ago that Hannah was a lady of great faith. And I believe that she demonstrates her faith in her prayerfulness to God. So I want you to think with me for a moment or two about the purpose of her prayer. Look at verse 11. In verse 11, the Bible tells us that she made a vow and said, O Lord of hosts, if you will indeed look on the affliction of your maidservant, and remember me and not forget your maidservant, but will give your maidservant a male child, then I will give him to the Lord all the days of his life. No razor shall come upon his head. Now, as I said a moment ago, her husband was a Levite, and he was of the division of the Kohathites, and they had very special responsibilities as it related to the tabernacle, to the vessels in the tabernacle, to the transporting of the Ark of the Covenant. And so if they had a child, this child would be a Levite by birth. And so 
in a very purposeful way, she prays to God. Now, the beauty of prayer is that we can go before the throne of God, lift up our voices, and in a very specific way, we can make known our wants and wishes, can't we? You remember Jesus said that men ought to always pray and not faint or not grow weary. I think about Jesus in Matthew chapter 7 when He said, Ask and it shall be given to you. Seek and you shall find. Knock and it shall be opened to you. There's something very special about having the opportunity to pray to God. One of the great spiritual blessings in life is prayer, isn't it? Didn't Peter write, The eyes of the Lord are over the righteous. His ears are open to their prayers. So here's a lady who in a very purposeful way is praying to God. And note, if you would, her persistence in prayer. In verse 12, the Bible says that she continued praying before the Lord. Now, have there not been occasions in your life when maybe because of a circumstance or a need, you have been on bended knees and you have prayed over and over and over again to God? Paul said that we ought to pray without ceasing. And I think what Paul is saying is we ought to have an unceasing spirit of prayer. Our lives ought to be that of prayer. Paul would write in Colossians chapter 4 verse 2, continue steadfastly in prayer. Prayer ought to be, it ought to be just as important to us as eating and drinking every day. And so this lady is, she is purposeful in her prayer life. She is persistent in her prayer life. And as a result of that, God blessed her in a great way. Now I want us to move from this problem and think for a moment or two about there was a plan. She had a plan. As I said a moment ago, she vowed to God that if He would give her a child, that she would give Him to the Lord. As a matter of fact, He would serve the Lord. He would be a Nazarite, according to verse 11. And so... Let's think for a moment or two about this plan. As we think about the plan that she had in mind, I want you to consider very specifically her blessing. In verses 17 and 18, we find that God responds to Hannah. Eli, and Eli was a priest. He was a judge in Israel. And Eli said to Hannah, Go in peace. And the God of Israel grant your petition which you have asked of Him. And so God responded to her prayer in a favorable way, didn't He? Now you think about all the prayers that you've lifted up to God. As I think about the privilege and the power of prayer, a couple of things come to mind. God will always answer our prayers, won't He? Now sometimes God says yes, sometimes God says no. There are other times in life when God says, okay, here's what you need to do. You need to wait. But God answers prayer. And so she has been lifting up prayers to God in a very fervent way. James said that the effective fervent prayer of a righteous man avails much. There is power in prayer, isn't there? So she's praying to God. God responds favorably to her prayer. But then note, if you would, the realization of her prayer. Now, Eli tells her that God is going to grant you the petition that you've asked of Him. And so in verse 19, the Bible says, well, in verse 18, the Bible says, 
Her response, let your maidservant find favor in your sight. So the woman went her way and ate. Her face was no longer sad. Why? Because God had granted her the petition that she had asked of Him. She had been barren. She had been distressed or in bitterness of soul because she was childless. And now God says, let me tell you what, you're going to have that child you've been praying for. And so in verses, well, in verses 19 and 20, the text says, they rose early in the morning and worshiped before the Lord and returned to their house at Ramah. Now, the city where they lived was just a few miles north of the city of Jerusalem. They would go to Shiloh to worship, and Shiloh was about 30 miles north of Jerusalem. And so, in verse 20, the Bible says it came to pass in process of time that Hannah conceived and bore a son and called his name Samuel, saying, Because I've asked for him from the Lord. Now, I want you to just pause here for a minute. Think about times in your life, as I said a moment ago, when you have fervently prayed to God. And you have gone before the throne of God in a very purposeful and persistent way. And God has responded favorably to your prayer. You have realized your prayer. How does that make you feel? Aren't you grateful? I mean, isn't there a sense of thanksgiving for what God has done for you in that He answered your prayer? Let's just think for a moment or two about the behavior of of Hannah. Now I mentioned a moment ago that she was a woman of great faith. Not only a woman of great faith, but a woman of faithfulness. Her faith is realized in the fact that she's willing to take this child, Samuel, and basically give him to the Lord so that he might serve the Lord. So let's think about her gratitude. The Bible tells us in verse 21, that Elkanah and his house went up to offer to the Lord the yearly sacrifice and his vow. Hannah, however, did not go up, for she said to her husband, I will not go, I will not go up until the child is weaned, probably around the age of two or three. And she said, Then I will take him, that he may appear before the Lord and remain there forever. Elkanah, her husband, said to her, Do what seems best to you. Wait until you have weaned him. Only let the Lord establish his word. So the woman stayed and nursed her son until she had weaned him. Now, drop down and look at verse 26, if you would. I think about her gratitude, her thankfulness, but I also can't help but see in this text her willingness to gift this child to the Lord. Note, if you would, verse 26. She said, O oh my Lord, as your soul lives, my Lord, I am the woman who stood by you, praying to the Lord. For this child I prayed, and the Lord has granted me my petition which I ask of him. Therefore, in light of the fact that in light of the fact that you have blessed me with this child, that you have honored me with a child, here's what I'm going to do. I also have lent him or granted him to the Lord. Now, note if you would in verse 28. As long as he lives, he shall be lent or granted to the Lord. So they worshiped the Lord 
there. Now, you talk about faith. Here's a lady that so desperately wants a child. And she has this idea that if God will only bless her with a child, that she will, in response to that, give him back in service to God. As a parent, what's your ultimate goal for your child? I mean, what do you want, what do you want to see in your child? Do you want to see them be successful in the realm of business? Do you want to see them enter the medical field or would you like to see them in the field of, of law? Is it your goal that they work in corporate America? Would you like to see your child as a successful business owner? Maybe you want to see your child excel in athletics and become a professional sports star. I mean, what's your goal as a parent? Or is it, is it, is it po possible that what you really want, not necessarily something material, but from a spiritual vantage point, what you really want to see out of your child is faithfulness to the Lord. You want to see your, your child grow in Christ and use his or her abilities to glorify God. When you talk about a vision. In other words, having a crystal clear vision of what's really important in life. I mean, there are a lot of things that, that bless us in this life, and there's nothing wrong with choosing a life filled with pursuits in, in the material realm. There's nothing wrong with wanting to be a doctor or a lawyer or a business person or whatever. But when it's all said and done, the most important dimension in life is the spiritual, isn't it? I mean, that's really what it's all about, getting to heaven. Now, I want you to think in the third place, there was preparation. And as you think about preparation, specifically, Hannah has in mind, she wants to gift this child to the Lord. In order for Samuel to become productive in service to the Lord, he has to be groomed, doesn't he? So what she does is she makes it possible for him to be groomed in service to the Lord. Two things here. We see his ministry in the Lord and his maturity in the Lord. Back up, if you would, and look at chapter 2. In chapter 2, we find this young child in verse 11, ministering to the Lord before Eli the priest. In verse 18, the Bible says that Samuel ministered before the Lord even as a child wearing a linen ephod. And that was simply a vest worn by the priest. And so, here is this child at a very early age engaging in a type of service. He is ministering before the Lord. But not only did he at a very early age begin ministering to the Lord, and let me just say this very quickly. He had the opportunity to be mentored. There's a lot to be said for those of us who are Christians when it comes to mentoring or training and teaching our young people. Didn't Paul say, 
that as a parent we're to rear our children in the nurture and the admonition of the Lord? What we want to do is equip them for service in the kingdom of God. She is equipping him, grooming him, having him groomed so that he can better serve the Lord. So I think about his ministry and then his maturity in the Lord. Look at verse 26. Well, look at verse 21. The Bible says that Samuel grew before the Lord. Hannah had other children. In verse 26, the Bible says the child Samuel grew in stature, in favor both with the Lord and men. Do you remember in Luke chapter 2, the Bible talks about Jesus and how Jesus grew in wisdom and stature, in favor with God and man? Now you talk about a well-rounded child. That's a well-rounded child. To grow physically, mentally, emotionally, intellectually, and most of all, spiritually. I just see this young child, Samuel, and as he's growing and maturing, he's learning more about God and more about the God that he will serve. He's working under Eli, who was both a judge and a priest. Now, there's a third thing I want you to, or rather a second thing I want you to see in our third point. Not only was he groomed in service in the Lord, but he became a great servant of the Lord. Sometimes we say the rest of the story. When you read the story of Samuel, you got to be impressed with this young fella. In chapter 3, we read of his call. And he's just a boy, according to chapter 3, verse 1. The Bible tells us in verse 1 that the word of the Lord was rare in those days. The reason being there was no widespread revelation. And so God calls upon Samuel. In verse 2, the text tells us it came to pass at that time while Eli was lying down in his place, when his eyes had begun to grow dim that he couldn't see, before the lamp of God went out in the tabernacle of the Lord where the ark of God was, while Samuel was lying down to sleep, that the Lord called Samuel. And he answered, he said, Here I am. He ran to Eli and said, Here I am, for you called me. Eli said, I didn't call you. Go lie down. He went and lay down. The Lord calls again, Samuel. Samuel arises, he goes to Eli. He said, Here I, here I am, you called me. Eli said, I didn't call you, my son. Go lie down again. Now look at verse 7, parenthetically. Samuel did not yet know the Lord was, he didn't know the Lord, nor was the word of the Lord yet revealed to him. In other words, he hadn't been specifically called to this task. He's being called now. The Lord called Samuel again the third time. He arose and went to Eli and said, Here I am. For you did call me, and Eli perceived that the Lord had called the boy. Therefore, here's what Eli said to Samuel, Go lie down. And it shall be if He calls you that you must say, Speak, Lord, for your servant hears. Samuel goes, lays down again in his place. The Lord came, stood and called, as at other times. And He said, Samuel, Samuel. And Samuel answered and said, Speak, for your servant hears. Note, if you would, emphasis on that word, servant. What was Samuel being groomed for? A life of service in the Lord. Serving the Lord 
When we talk about grooming people for service, it's not accidental. It's not incidental, but it takes a lot of time, a lot of training, a lot of prayers, doesn't it? You think about this child Samuel and the fact that Samuel is going to become this great leader. That's what we're going to read about in just a moment. I mean, you think about his call, but his consecration to God. Here is Samuel, this young boy. And because of the faith and faithfulness of his mother, he is being groomed to become a great, I mean a great servant in the eyes of God. As a matter of fact, when you begin to read the book of 1 Samuel, this young fellow becomes a judge in Israel. According to chapter 7, verse 16, he traveled to Bethel, Gilgal, and Mizpah as a judge of Israel. Not only did he serve as a judge, but he became a prophet of God. In chapter 3, unfortunately, Eli had some sons who also were priests, and they were extremely wicked. And sadly, Eli did not restrain them. And as a result, they fell out of favor with God, and God would judge them. And so God told Samuel what He was going to do. And Samuel tells Eli, look, God is going to come in judgment on your children. So with regard to his prophetic office, listen to what it said in verse 19. Samuel grew. The Lord was with him and let none of his words fall to the ground. In other words, whatever God said, Samuel was faithful in relaying the Word of God. Now we talk about a prophet. A prophet is a forth teller, isn't he? In other words, he speaks on behalf of the Lord. Samuel became a great spokesman for God. A prophet not only was one who would foretell, but foretell. He could speak of the future. He could speak prophetically of events that would occur in the future, but he could also speak unequivocally on behalf of God. Samuel did both. So Samuel is a judge. He is a prophet of God. And note in verse 20, all Israel from Dan to Beersheba knew that Samuel had been established or confirmed as a prophet of the Lord. Now let me just pause there for a minute. When you look at the life of Samuel, he had a part in anointing the first king over the kingdom, Saul. You remember the people of God requested a king. They were disenchanted. They wanted to be like the nations around them. And so God gave them their request. Samuel had a part in that. Later when Saul disobeyed God, Samuel stood up and later anointed David, a man after God's own heart, to succeed Saul. Samuel became a tremendous servant of God. He was a faithful servant of God. He effectively served the Lord because, listen, he had, he had a mama that believed deeply in the God of heaven. And when it was all said and done, her fervent desire was that Samuel use his talents or his abilities to bring honor and glory to God. Let me tell you what, when it's all said and done, 
We as parents want our children, first and foremost, to become a Christian, don't we? We want them to become become a Christian. And then secondly, we want them to be a faithful Christian. And why is that? Because we want to go to heaven, and we want them to be with us in heaven. That's the goal of every parent. And so, to those of you who are mothers here today, I don't think that there is any way that I could adequately convey to you how important you are. You have no idea the power that resides in you. You have no idea the tremendous influence that you have in this life. I mean, maybe maybe we comprehend it to some extent, but listen, you set the tone for everything, don't you? What's the old saying? The hand that rocks the cradle rules the world. I mean, you think about as a, as a parent, think about your own parents. And think about your mom and your dad and how they influenced you. And now as a leader in the home, what's your goal? To guide, to instruct, to lead, to point your children in the direction of heaven, right? There are a lot of wonderful things that we enjoy in this life. But I think to be a parent is a special, special blessing. And and to be able to encourage our children to become a servant of God. Samuel became a great servant. It wasn't by accident. As your children grow and mature and become servants of God, I want you to know that's not an accident. They're serving the Lord because of your prayers, because of your work, because you sought to the best of your ability to lead them in that direction. And we're grateful for you. Let's pray. Our Father in heaven, we are so grateful for all the many blessings that we enjoy in this life. And we are thankful today for, we are grateful for the one that we call our mother. And Father, there's no way that we can express our indebtedness to them. But we pray that, that we would live in such a way so that, they would, that we would honor them, that we would honor their teaching and that we would reflect a life of service in Your kingdom. Father, we thank You for every mother here today. We're grateful for their love, tenderness, kindness. We're so thankful for their faith, their faithfulness. And Father, we are so grateful that we have been so blessed. And may they know what a blessing they are to us. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. As we close our lesson today, we want to encourage you, if you're not a Christian, as we do every week, we want to encourage you to come to Christ. 
We want you to obey the gospel so that you can be in Christ and enjoy the forgiveness of your sins. Well, what would you need to do? First, you need to believe that Jesus is the Son of God. Because the Bible says without faith it's impossible to be well-pleasing to Him. To come in simple, trusting faith, repenting of all your sins as they did on Pentecost in Acts chapter 2. Confess with your mouth what you believe in your heart, that Jesus is the Son of God. And then be immersed in water so that all your sins can be washed away, Acts 22 verse 16. And then begin living the life of a servant of Christ. If you're here today and maybe for whatever reason your life's not what it ought to be and you need the prayers of the church, please understand we'd be happy to pray with you and for you today as we stand and sing to encourage you.